I want to talk to you real quick about, um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this. Maybe you have. You can show me your hands. Um, coming up on September 19th, starting in the year 2002, um, there's been a day that's been celebrated. It's called National Talk Like a Pirate Day. How many of you guys have heard of it? Okay. Yes. Exactly. It's a day where we're actually supposed to just simply, in our everyday, normal conversation, supposed to say, arr, and arg, and, uh, you know, ahoy, uh, you know, hi, mateys, and all that stuff. We're supposed to just put them in the, in the everyday words. It's probably the only day, too, that you can actually get by with calling people um, bilge rats, uh, scallywags, scurvy dogs. You could probably call people that, and they're like, what, it's National Pirate Day. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. It's no problem. But it's a day that's actually become nationally, but not only nationally, but internationally well-known. People love it. People love it. Years ago, we taught a message in our youth ministry, and we celebrated. We all dressed up as pirates. I brought everybody um, Oreos and made them all eat Oreos, and then took pictures with their teeth, because, of course, look piratey, you know? No one, what pirate goes and gets regular dental checkups? Not many. But, you know, why do people actually start those kind of days? Why do they start these communities of people? Well, first off, I think just because it's fun. I mean, it's just fun. Who doesn't want to talk like a pirate? I mean, it's fun to do. And we all, of course, we need some more fun, especially if you went through last week with that heat. I mean, you, know, you just need some fun. But second, like I said, because it is a community. People want community. You know, there's a group of people who were just so in love with pirates <laughs> and talking like a pirate that they actually, like, all combined and said, let's make a day of this. And, uh, you know, it's just taken off. People love it. Um, so today I'm actually combining both. I'm combining my message that was all on community, and then I'm going to talk a little bit and add a little bit of what pirates are known for, which is mutiny, and I'm going to put them all together, and I titled my message, Commutiny. So <laughs> I'm going to tell you, this is why God called me to be a youth pastor for many years, because this is how my brain works. I'm not kidding. <laughs> this is how it works. Hey, commutiny, it makes sense. So anyway, that's how I think, which is scary. But as you know, I've been talking to you a lot about community and why community is important. Actually, you heard Cameron mention it, reference it a couple times, even during our announcements. And I told you in the last few messages, and like I said, if you ever miss, you can always go online um, at xchurch.com. You can go back and listen to any one of our messages. They're there. Um, but I told you that people need each other, that they need to be in fellowship with each other, that we need a community around us because God never intended for us to live life alone. Instead, he wanted us to share it in a community, and especially within the church, he wanted it to be a close-knit community of people together. And I think when it works good, it's great for us, and it's a great witness to the outside world, to watch a church really have community. And I read to you earlier a great role model of community <clears throat> that it showed us in Acts 2, 42 through 47. I'm going to read it to you again. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temples each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Well, it's interesting, if you look at Acts 2, it's kind of an interesting thing, because at the very beginning, all it says at the very beginning of Acts 2 is, 
When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all in one place. So really at that point, they were just all together. They were just in one place. It really isn't the fact that they had community then. They were just there. But what it says, and it goes on to say, is that there's the Holy Spirit came. And when the Holy Spirit came, it seems like it just kind of like knitted them together. It brought them all in the same place together. And the Holy Spirit is that. It kind of brings us, draws us close together. And we realize that we have things in common and things that are important to, to follow. And the Holy Spirit is an amazing thing. But that's when it actually changed. It's not just being together. It's definitely more than that. Community, like I said, is by definition a unified body of individuals. Not perfect. Definitely not perfect, but unified. But mutiny, it happens when we revolt and we use our uni- lose our unity together. There's always somebody that's like, you know, they want to declare mutiny, which means they want to head out, revolt. And then what happens is there's always somebody like, come join us. No one really tries to do mutiny on their own. I mean, it's just like, you know, he doesn't leave. But mutiny is when you try to bring people in and to rise against and refuse to obey. Um, Sadly, within our communities, there have been many declarations of mutiny. People rose against and refused to obey the ways in which God really intended us for a living here on earth. Um, And I think what's sad is that for a lot of times in churches, more churches have modeled in the community of um, believers, they probably have had more community instead of community. And I think that's what's been modeled. And I think that's really a sad thing because obviously it's not going to work that way. I want to read you real quick um, something that was actually in my message the first time I taught it a long time ago in uh, youth ministry. And uh, I thought it was pretty good. It's 1 Thessalonians 14, 18. It says, Get along among yourselves, each of you doing your part. Our counsel is that you warn the freeloaders to get a move on, gently encourage the stragglers, and reach out for the exhausted, pulling them to their feet. Be patient with each person, attentive to their individual needs, and be careful that when you get on each other's nerves that you don't snap at each other. Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way that God would want you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. Obviously, that's the way God wants us to do it. Um, Isn't the way always churches have done it. I'll read you real quick. I found this in my first message. I'm like, I've got to read this. It's a story about a man who visited a mental hospital for the criminally insane. He was shocked to see that only three guards supervised over 100 dangerous inmates. So he asked the guards, don't you fear that these people will plot and escape and overpower all of you guards? The guard calmly responded and said, no worry about that because lunatics never unite. Says a lot about churches sometimes, doesn't it? Kind of makes you wonder, why is it that churches have never been able to unite? It started right off the beginning. At the very beginning of the Bible, right off the bat, you see that there was disunity. You saw that there's people that were like, they had this, Jesus died for us, this is great. And all of a sudden the people started saying, no, no, I don't follow Jesus, I follow Paul. No, I follow Apollos. You see... All these different people always tried to have a different way to go about it. And then we have, as soon as they got unified, then there's people walked in and said, no, no, to be a follower of Christ, you have to be circumcised. And they're like, no, you don't have to be. So there's always this unity that's just destroyed within the body of Christ. Well, obviously, if you've ever been in a church, if you uh, haven't, this could be an eye-opener for you. I told you before, I never got saved until I was 28. I didn't get raised in a church. 
So when I started to go to church and I started realizing what a community of believers is, I was a little shell-shocked. I was a little surprised. I had this idea in my head that somehow people were going to be nicer. (laughs) I really did. And I was really surprised when I saw people being very human inside of a church. Because I'm like, oh, I didn't think we're supposed to be that way. Because I was under the assumption that these people should be better, holier, you know, more on tune with everything that God's doing. And then I just realized as I went along, I'm like, no, the church is just a group of people that are just forgiven. (laughs) They're definitely not perfect. I mean, God says in his word that we're only going to be perfect and perfected when Jesus comes and we go on to eternity. So obviously, we're still going to struggle. We're still going to have those things about ourselves. The flaws that we come into knowing God with, they're still there. A lot of our little hiccups in the road as far as like who we are as people, like maybe uh, me being pessimistic, (laughs) Um, maybe a person who's a little bit more distrustful, they're going to be there. It's not all going to change just because you accept Jesus as your Savior and you're going to start to follow him. It doesn't happen. So the community of believers is not without its problems, and it shouldn't surprise us. Like I said, it shouldn't really surprise us. We're all just forgiven sinners. Yet we still have very high expectations of other people. Not of us. Sometimes we're like, well, listen, I'm not perfect. I never said I was. But yet when somebody hurts us, we're like, well, they should know better. They should do this. They should do that. So we tend to be very, you know, expectant of other people, but not ourselves. And we are human. In our humanness, God created us. We are going to rub each other the wrong way. It's bound to happen. It is going to happen. If it hasn't happened to you yet, it will It will, it will. I will say something that you're going to be offended with. I will say something to hurt you. So will Cameron. So will the people that are here. It happens. You know why? Because we're not perfect. We're just forgiven. That's it. We're not perfect. I actually, today, when I was, we were doing worship, you know, have you ever just said something and then you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. I didn't really mean it that way. I hope they didn't take it that way. Um, We were practicing, and the, the song that they practiced was beautiful, but I said, I didn't even think about it. I was just like looking through my message. I said, actually, I don't think you should end with that because it's a little too down and I'm going to go talk about pirates and it should be up. You know, and I didn't even think about it, how I said it. And then I thought about it afterwards because I, I really do, like, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I really don't. I really hate to know I hurt people's feelings. But I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. You know, inside my own head, I'm like, that didn't sound as bad. And I don't know if you're as guilty as me because I'm going to tell you, being married for 28 years, um, I laugh because my husband will say sometimes, I'm like, you said John? And I'm like, did I? I said John. <laughs> Maybe I did say John? I don't know. But, you know, sometimes it's our tone. Maybe sometimes we don't really realize how it comes out. In our mind, it sounds great. You know, to them, it sounds pretty negative and critical. And I'm like, okay, I have to change my tone. That's it. It's not so much what I'm saying, it's how I'm saying it. That's the problem. So obviously... I have to learn. I'm definitely not perfect in marriage either. My husband would definitely attest to that. But like I said, truth is, good biblical community is not the absence of conflict and difficulties. It's not. But good community is going to be able to try to figure out a way to work it out and resolve it and help it. And there is no perfect church. It doesn't exist. And truth is, as flawed as we are, as soon as we'd walk into it, we would destroy it. As soon as we'd walk in, we'd be like, we'd be the person who'd bring everything bad that could possibly be. So there is no perfect church. We are flawed. 
And we will for sure at times hurt and be hurt by other people. Man, definitely. Um, The sinful nature that we were created with is still there. It doesn't leave us just because we love Jesus. The thing is, God's word says, it says it's almost like a battle that takes place inside of us all the time. It says Jesus lives within our heart as soon as we start to follow him, love him, and accept him. But it's still inside of us is that sinful nature that lives there and hides there too. And I've always said in youth ministry, I'm like, man, I want to make Jesus so comfortable that he's like in a recliner, lemonade, watching the best show ever. I want him so comfortable inside my heart that he wants to live there. But I'm going to tell you, there are days when I don't do so hot. And I'm sure he's like thinking like, I'm pushed in a corner here. Your simple nature is majorly taken over. And it's not good. So there's going to be problems in a church. There's going to be problems in a community. And we're not going to be immune to that. Um, the truth is we're either going to be a magnet to draw people to Jesus or we are going to be something that repels people from him. How we really respond in the world will make all the difference. And a lot of people will never enter into a community of a church not because of who Jesus is, but sadly because of who we are. And I think that's so, so sad. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I have met some very offensive Christians in the past. Very offensive. Some that I'm like, seriously, look at them like, ah, if you have what you say you have, I don't want what you have because I don't want to be you. And uh, I'm just being really honest. Sometimes people that say that they love Jesus can be extremely offensive and hurtful and negative and unkind. And I don't think that's what Jesus wanted us to be. If anything, if you're struggling with it, you just need to just zip it. Don't say anything. If you can't say nothing nice, our moms told us best, right? If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Truth is, if you've ever joined a club or a group or a church, you are going to meet up with some real dingalings. It is going to happen. There are some people that you're going to be like, whoa, what in the world was that? We jokingly have said before, we've met some people and like, well, they're just crazy enough to be a Christian. I mean that with all the love in the world. I really do. <laughs> but sometimes they can be very out there, you know? And uh, I think sometimes God is actually just like scratching his head too, like, I don't know, I don't know. Nevertheless, we never are allowed to back away from community. We're not. It doesn't matter how many dinglings there are. It doesn't matter. It, you have to go back. You have to be part of community. That's the way God intended it. And I'm going to tell you, in all in all, it teaches us some things. It's tough, though. We do have to commit to a community because it will, in the long run, strengthen us. It will challenge us. It was, will correct us. It will give us places to serve others. And it's also a place that we can receive guidance from people no matter how badly it hurts, because it will. There's a story about a group of porcupines that a famous philosopher, um, his name is Schopenhauer, once used to illustrate a point. It says, A group of porcupines were marooned one bitter cold night in the middle of a large frozen field. There was no way to escape the biting wind. They could not burrow into the frozen ground, and as they huddled to keep warm, their sharp quills began to poke and hurt. And as the closer that they moved together, the more the pain increased. Some of the animals finally could not bear the pain and drew apart to sleep alone. And in the morning, they were the ones that were found to be frozen. That's what happens. That's exactly what happens in community. Sometimes we poke each other, we hurt each other. You're like, I didn't really like what they said. That wasn't very kind. They weren't there for me when I need them. And before you're long, you're like, okay, I'm going to take my ball and I'm going home. It's pretty lonely to play ball by yourself. So there's going to be that times that we are going to hurt each other. 
And even though our tendency will be to pull away, we cannot risk it. We can't risk it because you ultimately will not survive without a group. God wanted us to work together. Despite the dinglings, he wants us to work together. So, John 17, 23, there's a way that God actually intended for us to live in a community, and these are some good things that he says about it. He says in John 17, 23, in the message translation, I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me. Because of them and their witness about me, the goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory that you gave me, I gave them. That's the Holy Spirit. So they'll be as unified and together as we are, I and them and you and me, and then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way that you loved me. I'm going to tell you, here's what we can see. We failed the godless world. That's what's happened. By the churches not being unified, we have failed the godless world because we model nothing different than what any other group offers. That's it. Um, the church has not been unified since the beginning of time. And I think it really just gives evidence that we're no different. We're no different. Instead, we're supposed to model like this. Psalm 133.1, how wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. I'm going to tell you, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. I told you that last week when we, we um, celebrated communion. Um, you know, the thing is, with communion... It's not just that we're fathers and or, or sons and daughters of the Most High King, but God's Word also tells us that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're both. You know, we're not alone. We are brothers and sisters. That means you're supposed to be together. You're supposed to work it out. Can you turn up the air? It's getting really hot here. Turn it and get it colder in here. Um, yeah, it's getting really warm. I don't know. I love summer, but, you know, still, I, I don't want to sweat up here. Um, I know it's louder, but I think we have to have it. Um, community, like I said, by definition, is a unified body of individuals. Commutiny, which is a made-up word that Deb Graper created, is basically to declare unity within the body of individuals. That's what I think. So basically, some people, they just are good with declaring mutiny. Mutiny is all about division. That's what it is. Um, I'm sure some of you have lived within your home your community, in your house, and you have had mutinous acts performed in your house. <laughs> there has been mutiny. Uh, no brothers and sisters are getting along, you know? There's no one getting along. It's not working out. No matter how much you're trying, there's a mutinous act that took place, and I'm sure if you've been raised in a family, you know what that's all about. Like I said, it's all about division. Cameron spoke to us not too long back he talked about the fact that um, one of the, the ways of warfare is to divide and conquer. That's what happens. And I'm going to tell you, that's what many, many years has happened in the church. Division and the world is winning sometimes. You know, the world is winning. It's, it's a godless world that doesn't see anything different. There is more distrust within a community of the church than there is out among the world. You know, you start talking to somebody about Jesus, right off the bat they're like, but what do you believe? Where do you go? But what, what do you mean about this? What, what about this? There's such distrust. Man, you walk in a bar and you tell them, you're like, my name is Joe. They're like, hey, Joe, sit down. Take a load off. Have a beer. You know, you walk into a church and it's like, well, what do you believe? 
What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Do you believe this? Do you believe that? I mean, and all that is important. It is. Don't lead with it. It doesn't have to be led with. That's what's so awesome is we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can unify. I'm going to tell you there are things that I believed were 100% good, okay, all right, before I got saved. And as I started to follow after Jesus and started reading the word and stuff, I started to think, okay, maybe this isn't so good. Maybe I could have been wrong. But you know what? The Holy Spirit worked on me. The thing is, we always jump ahead and we offend somebody, and it's not the way we need to do it. The Holy Spirit knows better than us, but we're always trying to jump ahead. You know, let me tell you what I believe. A lot of people don't care what you believe. Told you that before. You know, a lot of things like they don't care what you believe until they know that you care for them. That's it. Um, Mutiny has taken place within the church, and it definitely is getting the better of us. Obviously, there is strength in numbers. I found this awesome, awesome quote by this guy named Vince Havner. I have no idea who he is, but this is an awesome quote. Snowflakes are frail, but if enough of them get together, they can stop traffic. And I thought, that is so good, because that's exactly what's us. By ourselves, we may not accomplish much, but if we get together, we can do great things for God. We just have to be unified. We could be out there stopping traffic. You know, we need each other. We can accomplish way, way more than if we worked alone. We definitely grow through times of trouble. Um, Those tough times and those moments of division within a community sometimes can help us to turn into who God wants us to be. Um, I know that I have learned very much from certain people within a community. Some taught me way, way more things about standing and holding on to God during tough times. Stay joyful in the midst of trials, you know. Um, hold on tight to Jesus. You know, the tough times are going to come. Those valleys that will happen. You know, there's mountaintop experiences, there's valleys. And people would be there inside the community and be telling me to hold on, and I'd be like, thank you. And I needed that encouragement. I'm going to tell you, and then there's been the others. There's been people that I'm like, seriously? When I'd walk into the church, it was like, walk in, and I was like, when I saw them coming, <laughs> I don't want to deal with them, because sometimes they would really hurt me. You know, by just the little things they said and did. And I'm like, I tried to pull away from it. Um, but it also taught me another lesson. You know what it taught me? How not to treat somebody. It taught me a lesson. It's like, when I was offended and hurt by that, I was like, okay, I never want to talk to somebody that way. I never want to be so negative. I never want to be so into their face that that's how I would respond. So it taught me a lesson, too. Even the people that kind of rub us wrong, they teach you something. They really do. There was a lesson in that relationship, even though it was horrible and not fun to live through. It taught me something. Well, how is it that we do not declare mutiny? Basically, I think by following God's word. And I, we try to tell you all the time, read the Bible for yourself. That's where Jesus is. That's where the Holy Spirit will do some major work in your life. And it just helps us to grow. I'm going to tell you, the person I was a Christian was nothing what I needed to be until I started to read God's word. There are Bibles over there for free. You can just go help yourself to one. We want you to take them. We want you to read them. Because as much as me and Cameron want to sit up here and we want to tell you about Jesus, we want you to know it for yourself. That's how Jesus says you're going to know the truth because you're going to have read it. So if someone ever tells you something that's wrong, you'd be like, "Uh uh-uh, that's not what I read. So you'll know better. Ephesians 6.13, it says, Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help that you can get, every weapon that God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. 
Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops off. I'm going to tell you, that's community. That's a community right there. You know what? We're going to be working together. You know, you're going to have to pray for your brothers and sisters. You know what? Sometimes that person that's really offensive, maybe they're offensive because they've been hurt. Pray for them. Keep each other's spirits up. I'm going to tell you, sometimes you, just, you do have to have that encouragement to say, just keep on, keep it on. You can do it. Um, Romans 14, 13, it says, forget about deciding what's right for each other. Here's what you need to be concerned about, that you don't get in the way of someone else, making life more difficult than it already is. I'm convinced Jesus convinced me that everything as itself, as in itself, as it is in itself, is holy. We, of course, by the way we treat it or talk about it, can can contaminate it. See, the thing is, it's not, sometimes we put our spin on it. And it's like he says, you know, the, the word even says, Paul says, don't make it more difficult than it already is. Being a follower of Christ is not easy. I'm going to tell you, when people go out there and tell you it's just a crutch for the weak, it's like you've not been a Christian then because I'm going to tell you there's divisions that come our way all the time. There's always something. I would have never gotten through this life if it wasn't for the fact that I had Christ because my life has been extremely difficult. You know, and after I became a Christian, I thought, okay, it's all going to be smooth sailing. Nope. It's not smooth sailing. If anything, there's more difficulties that come. There's more things that you have to learn. Romans 15, 7, it says, So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus, Jesus did it, now you do it. So just welcome people into the community. I'm going to tell you, if we're standing there all in our little groups and someone new comes in, it's not good if we look like we're a clique. It's not good like if, you know, this person's talking, and I love to talk to this. It's always, I'm always like got that, like I want to talk to this person, I want to talk to this person, I want to talk to this person, but yet I want to give people value, and I want to talk to them long enough, and there's just not enough time. There's just not enough time. So, you know, there's days I'm like, oh, I really wish I would be able to talk to that person too. Because Jesus showed welcome into community. Ephesians 4.31, it says, Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another. Be sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. I'm going to tell you, um, most of what's in the Bible that we read it, if we start to read it, we realize this isn't written to the unsaved world. These are to people who call themselves believers that God had all this corrective words to. He's like, you know what? You're not doing it just right. You need to change this about yourself. You know, it's not like you read it and you're like, oh, he's really, you know, telling the, telling the unsaved world they better get it straight. He's like, no, he's telling the Christians. He's telling the people who think that they have it all figured out what they need to do. Good news is, church is like a family. Bad news is, church is like a family. <laughs> we all know how that works, don't we? I'm going to tell you, I love my family. But there are days where we just get on each other's nerves, no matter how much you love them. But what's amazing about that is if we really tr- look at church as family, the next day we try to give another person another shot again, don't we? And within our family, we can take so much from another person that's in our family. I mean, yeah, we get frustrated, annoyed. But for the most part, we love somebody within our family so much that the next time we're like, the next day's a new day. And you're kind of like, okay, I'm going to be open to it again. 
and show you love and be here for you. And as moms, we know how that works. Because I'm going to tell you, there are days where you just like, thank God you go to bed and you get another day to start over. <laughs> because sometimes you're just at the end of your rope. But that's what we're supposed to do within a community of the church, too. We're supposed to be there for each other. Overlooking hurts, forgiving, and going back the next day and trying again. All over again. And actually, sadly enough, being ready to kind of get slapped in the face if something happens again. That's what it's all about. God's word says we're family because we have the same father. That is the only way to get into the true family of God. If you have God the Father as your father. To do that, we have to accept Jesus as our savior. That's how it works. If you love Jesus Christ, then you are brothers and sisters in Christ with me. Because I love Jesus with all my heart. I can't imagine my life without him. Never, ever, ever would I go back. And I say to God, please, there's a song, an old song we used to sing that says, um, take not the Holy Spirit from me. And it's like, I get to that point, I cry like a baby because it's like, I feel that. Never again do I want to live life without Jesus. Truth is, though, families don't always get along. Like I said, we're not always going to get along. We do need each other, just like you do with your own families, because we can't do it alone. But it's going to take some work. And we do need to stick it out. We've got to hold on. Eventually, who knows, that dingling may be your best friend. It happens. It happened to me. It's happened to me. People that I thought, weird, different, don't know. And after a while, I'm like, they talked to me some about some things. And I was like, wow. I just looked at the weirdness. I didn't realize, look past the stuff and think that there was more there. You know? I am weird. I'm going to tell you something. I have a weird sense of humor. I think that is, like I say, why God called me to the youth ministry. There are times where I say things, and I know people just look at me like, okay, I don't know where that come from. I'm like, I don't know. It's just the way that I'm made. But a dingling can be your closest friend. They really can. You just be here with them, you hang out with them, and after a while you're like, all right. They're a little weird, but they got a lot of good stuff going on. It's not so bad. Um, the Bible says that those who love Jesus are the light of the world, doesn't it? But loneliness won't work, like I said to you. You have to be within a community. You cannot be a lonely flame alone because there are those winds those trials in life that are going to come, and you could be blown out. God's word says instead, you need to be a light to the world, but you need to be in community so all of you work together. One little candle's going to go out pretty easy in a tough wind. You get a bonfire going, tons of burning fire, that wind comes, and you know what it does actually? Stokes it up more, doesn't it? You ever watch a fire? That air, that oxygen comes through, and it just like whoosh, takes off even more. That's what God wants us to do with that light and that flame that's inside of us. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Community within the church is so important for us, but I'm going to tell you, a lot of times for those outside looking in outside the godless world they want to see that there's something different that we have they want to say you know no there's something different about those people there's something different about that community of people that there's something real we have to be that light that's beckoning people to come closer to jesus that's what it's all about 
You know, no, mu- no mutinies. No mutiny whatsoever. Cannot happen. You get me? Arr. Oi. <laughs> I'm not good at talking pirate. I'll be honest with you. Zach's probably way better at it than me. But it's time for us to get on with it, you scurvy dogs. Move on. Get doing something. I'm telling you, I'm a youth pastor. Um, it's important. It really is important. You know, we have to move it along. Time is short. Jesus says he's coming back. If he's coming back, time's only getting shorter. The only reason why, if you're sitting out there, you believe, thank Jesus, because he waited long enough before he come back that you had an opportunity to accept him. I am so thankful he didn't come back in 1992. <laughs> he waited till 1993, and at least, you know, I'm going to tell you, that's what it's all about. But the Bible says what? Today is the day of salvation, which means don't let it go to tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow has. We have no idea what tomorrow holds. You may think, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready to accept Jesus. I'm not ready to get serious. He doesn't want you to get everything put together and be perfect and wrapped up in a bow. It never will be. You never will be that person. I was a mess. I was going through depression. I was convinced I was dying. I wasn't thinking I could make it another day. I had no idea. But you know what? When I heard Jesus, there was something, you know, it says, the Bible says there's something about that name. There is. When I heard that, I was like, I want that. I want that. That's the first time in my life I felt like this is the answer. I've always wondered. And we're not going to get it all figured out on our own. It's not going to happen. The truth is we need to just blindly accept and then say, God, now start to reveal to me. But have trust. Have faith. That's what it's all about. I know it's a weird message to be talking to you about mutiny and pirates and, you know, ahoy, scurvy dogs, and then talk about Jesus. But that's how Jesus works. He'll take anything. He'll use it, make it good. That's what I love about him. So I just want to give you an opportunity. If you do not know who Jesus is, if you've never said Jesus, you know what it says? I read it in the Bible last night. Love it. I just love this. All it says, it's in Romans, I think, 10. And it says, all it says that we're supposed to do is, God, help me. That's it. We make it more difficult. Oh, we have to go up and we have to talk to this person. We have to say this prayer with this person. Then we got to go tell this person. To do this. All the Bible says is, God, help me. And I'm just going to give you an opportunity to, just, to do that yourself. Do that yourself. Just say, God, help me. That's it. It's not that hard to that. It's just a willingness to let him help. And we sang those songs and it says, give our lives to God. It's just saying, God, help me. Take over. That's what I want. I needed it. I'm going to tell you, I, my life, I am convinced without a doubt I would not have stayed married. I would have gotten divorced because I was so unhappy. I was miserable. I was going to make everybody miserable around me. I also, I really am seriously convinced that I was dying. And it's not that I had anything sickness wrong with me, but I had given up. And I think our will has a lot to be said for where we're headed in our future. And I was just convinced I was done. I was over. I wasn't going to make it. You know, I was just giving up. But I want to give you that opportunity just to say, God, help me. God, save me. I'm going to pray for you real quick. And then if you need prayer, if you need to, you know, to do that yourself, I'm going to tell you just at some point, maybe come back and say to somebody, and I'm not saying a big, long thing, but 
you know, I do want God's help in my life. Tell somebody, just because it's good to know that people know where you're at. Otherwise, sometimes people just like, you know, it's nice to know that people are all figuring it out, getting on the right page with God. But also, if you're going through a tough time, you know, we all have tough times. It doesn't matter if you're Christian, not Christian. If you're going through a tough time, you need prayer, we'll be here and we can pray for you, okay? All right, well, Lord, we are thankful, Father, that we were nothing but scurvy dogs before. And, uh, Lord, that you have turned around and took a scurvy dog and made them into uh, sons and daughters of the Most High King. That you, Lord, have made us brothers and sisters with our Messiah, Lord, our Savior. We love you, Lord, that you loved us that much, that you died for us. And, Lord, I just pray that you would just be with each person's here, person that's here, Lord. I just pray that you would help them. Um, just to see you in all things, Lord, that you exist, that you're real, that you love them, that you care for them, and that you're waiting for them. And Lord, I just ask that you would um, just work on our hearts. Help us throughout our struggles, Lord, for those of us that do have a relationship with you. Lord, help us to get through the, the trials and the struggles of life. And Lord, I just pray that you would help Acts Church to be a strong community. Lord, a community, Lord, not to build ourselves up, but, Lord, that we would actually be a unified group that would actually be a draw, that would be a magnet to you, Lord, that we would be leading people to you. And we just thank you for what you're going to do this coming week, Lord. We just ask for your help in all things, and we just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.